He's just openly, unrepentantly horrible. He's a horrible person. She's thorough. She's thorough. She is thorough. <laughs> she got her deweys and her decimals in, in the right places. But this is just a, just a magnificent movie. I love everything about this movie. Welcome back to Gateway Film Center in Columbus, Ohio, for the latest edition of Fright Club Live. Thank you very much for showing up tonight. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com. And before we get to anything else, if you've been on any of our socials, you know we've been teasing. We've been big teases lately about uh, big news tonight. We have a big announcement we've been working on for quite some time, and we got a little video. Hi there. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are Mad Wolf, and we're here to tell you about a great new movie that we are inviting you to help us make. It's called Obstacle Corpse. Do you know those people who head up to isolated areas to test their limits on dangerous, sometimes sadistic obstacles? This is like that, except this race will kill you. We also run these races and they are completely bananas. A lifelong horror fanatic with a podcast and film series to show for it, I've also been a film critic for 20 years and a passionate supporter of independent film. Basically, I've trained my whole life to make this movie. We all want more good horror comedies and we want more women-led films. Here's your chance to have both. Join us in bringing my debut feature film, the hilarious Dasher Slasher Obstacle Corpse, to the big screen. We've already been working tirelessly with a talented, experienced team for a year to make sure Obstacle Corpse will be made and that you'll be proud of it. We need your help. We're seeking participation from the genre film family totaling $30,000 to directly support production and post-production. The level of scale we can achieve and the degree to which we can bring Hope's full vision to life, that's what you get to control. Plus, perks. There are Obstacle Corp shirts, wristbands, headbands, and race bibs. We also want to make memories, like the happy hour and screening party at Gateway Film Center, where you can join us to watch the film. You can also back a kill, helping us cover the practical effects and build one of the obstacle murders. We'll even send you a behind-the-scenes pic of your obstacle. Check out all the perks and contribute if you can. Even more importantly, please help us get the word out by sharing our message far and wide. The first Mad Wolf feature film, Obstacle Corpse. And we hope you will join us in making this dream, this bloody, unwholesome dream, a reality. <laughs> Thank you. You Thank are the you. first ones to see that yes. and to know about it. Yep. We wanted to start it here because we love you guys for coming out and because we share the same passion for horror movies. And so we hope that you will give. We hope that you'll help us make this. We're not nervous about this at no, all. No, not uh, at all. About taking this plunge because um, we've made a few short films and this one just seemed like it was the most ready to become a feature. And uh, Hope has written a great script and uh, we've got a great, I mean, we have a great team. Yeah, we really, we really do. do. A great um, team behind us, and uh, we're we're ready to go for it. Yeah. So, and we do actually have we have a good amount already from investors to get us started. So we will make it regardless of the success of the Indiegogo. It will absolutely get made one way or the other. But the ability to do some really cool stuff, especially with practical effects, and get maybe a couple of decent names in it, things like that. That's really what the Indiegogo is going to help us do. So we hope that you will give us a shot. And um, and even if you can't, we totally understand. But if you would share on social and let people know about it, that's the best way for us to get people on board. Um, yeah. And I, w I was on 
some of the sites earlier today uploading the logos and designing the shirts and the headbands That's and right. the wristbands. And they're cool, man. <laughs> they're super cool. <laughs> I want some. So uh, anyway, yeah, thanks for watching and thanks for uh, helping out if you can. It's going to be a lot of fun. Obstacle Corpse. Coming soon. So um, that's the big announcement, but we still have more fun stuff. We've got the podcast. We've got a great film to show tonight, by the way, as we talk about, well, you've heard about aging gracefully. Tonight we're, ta <laughs> we're talking about aging frightfully. That's right. Aging in horror. We've got five. We've got a list of five great aging frightfully films to talk about, and then we're going to show one of them. But before that, we've got to talk about the great response we had. Our, our last podcast featured one of my very favorite, I think one of our, yeah. very favorite guests. We had Jennifer Snook Brown from a great website, reallibrarians.com. If you haven't checked it out, it's a fantastic website. And she always brings the knowledge. She and does. La and last time we talked about uh, our favorite horrific librarians. Yes, and, and I think people were really happy with yeah. it. Yeah. We always love to shout out to our favorite librarians, one of whom is here. Uh, and, and it was it's fun because she does, uh, Jennifer Snook Brown, she does draw our attention to films that we were not aware of, like Chainsaw Sally. I, I didn't even know that that existed, so that's always super fun. Yeah, and, and if, you, if you can stump her, <laughs> you know your business, and, uh, and Jennifer knows her business, so thanks yeah. to her and thanks for the... The great response. Yeah, and I think people were happy with it. They liked uh, number two. Number two got a big response, I think, because Rachel Weiss is just so hot in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, Brendan Fraser is having sort of a comeback he now. Is. Everybody's feeling really good about that movie, he and it's is. a lot of fun. And, yeah, but also, she's, one of the things great. I love about Rachel Weiss's character, we talk about the mummy, is that she just celebrates the fact that she's a librarian. All the other ones is like, oh, look out, she's a librarian. That's clearly driven her crazy. But not, not her. She gets drunk, and she's like, that's right. I'm a librarian, so I think that's always fun. And one of my favorite bits from that podcast was when Jennifer talked about watching the movie, one of our favorites, one we've shown it here, um, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, and she actually recognized the carpet because <laughs> one of the scenes was filmed in the Portland Library. Yeah, Portland, And she Maine. had been there, and she recognized the carpet. So, of course, I threw out there that, well, then our next podcast is going to be about rugs and flooring and horror. And I think we're going to do that. Because she's a librarian. So she just <laughs> immediately researched it and she shot us back. Okay, here's my list. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> okay. So Challenge yeah, accepted. Exactly. So we can look forward to that. So, Jennifer, <laughs> thank you, as always. Because she is, like I imagine all librarians, Katie backed me up on this, she's thorough. She's thorough. She is thorough. <laughs> She got her Deweys and her decimals in, <laughs> in the right places, and she is thorough. So thank you for that. That was a great one, and we'll definitely find a way to, for, to have her back on for flooring and mm -hmm. for anything else she wants to do. <laughs> so, uh, so that's good. But we look ahead to tonight, and we've got a movie, so we've got to get on it. Right? Anything else to say? Any uh, honorable mentions? Any also rans? Um, there are a couple that I'll talk about uh, sort of embedded in with the rest of the list, so we can just jump right in. Okay, let's do that. Ooh, this is a classic. Going back to 1945, a corrupt young man somehow keeps his youthful beauty, but a special painting gradually reveals his inner ugliness to all. You know it, the picture of Dorian Gray. If only the picture could change, and I could be always what I am now. For that I would give everything. There's nothing in the whole world I would not give. I would give my soul for that. I knew he would do... A Dorian Gray. I mean, that just seemed like an obvious choice for this, and there are like a million that you could choose from. And I thought I was going to go with one from 2009, which is much more of a horror film, and Colin Firth is in it, Rebecca Hall is in it. It's, an, it's not a bad movie. It's a pretty good movie. Um, but I rewatched this one 
you know, because my memory of it is, oh, it's quaint, and it's really not very much of a horror film at all. But there are certain things I absolutely love about this movie. Um, in particular, uh, George Sanders, who plays really the same character who always played throughout his entire career, which is just the cad. And, and it's clear in this film that, that he's like the Oscar Wilde character. And it's like he gets away fairly unscathed because he's just openly, unrepentantly horrible. He's a horrible person, so he doesn't have shame. He doesn't carry it around with him. It's not like on a painting, waiting to kill people. And I just love that character. But also Donna Reed is in it. She reminds me of my mom. And um, Angela Lansbury, who is just wonderful in this movie. And there is that great painting, which is always, I mean, when I was a kid and I saw this, like on TV, I thought the painting was very creepy. Also, I think that there are ways that it works around the fact that it's, it's a fairly short film on a, based on a novel, and the novel gives you more of an, an explanation as to why Certain characters who show up later in the film behave the way they do, why they sort of like shamefacedly do what he's asking them to do. And I actually think it's much creepier that the film doesn't give you any sense. Like a guy will just show up out of nowhere in the third act and then he's like, well, I'm never going to. Okay, I will. You're like, oh, what did he do? Well, I think a lot of people kind of assume that that's because of the censors of the movies. But actually, no, it was the, the time that the story came out, Oscar Wilde had to keep it toned down for, yeah. for his era. And it does add a lot of mystery, like, what are these acts of debauchery? Yes. What the heck? They can't even mention it. <laughs> and one cast member you, you didn't mention was Peter Lawford. Oh, yes. You know, if you ever wondered, did Peter Lawford ever do anything besides just hang around with Frank Sinatra? <laughs> he actually did. He was in some movies. <laughs> and also, another great thing about George Sanders, if you didn't know, he's the voice of Shere Khan yeah. in The Jungle Book. Yeah. And the original John. What a fantastic voice that guy has. But he is just a great cat. Oh, he's and, and, so good. Yeah. He's so great in this movie. He has all the best lines. As you mentioned, the story has been retold so many different yeah. ways. But this is a classic uh, a classic to uh, to mention. I think it's interesting, too, that uh, several years after it premiered, a friend of Herd Hatfields, who plays Dorian Gray, mm -hmm. bought the painting of the young Dorian Gray that was used uh, in the movie and gave it to him. Oh. So he can kind of always... See how handsome see how, he used to be. <laughs> that's what he was, right. <laughs> so that's, of course, had to make the list. The picture of Dorian Gray, number five, in our Aging Frightfully countdown from 1945. So let's move it up to another... Well, this is this is, goes back a ways as well. And this one we've shown here at Fright Club not too long ago at number four. While passing through a vacation resort, a newlywed couple encounters a mysterious, strikingly beautiful countess... And her aid, this is Daughters of Darkness from 71. Ah, revolting it may be. But then things were slightly different in those days. A holy king of France, even a pope, drank blood to stay young and healthy. Why would I use that trailer that really bears almost no resemblance to that beautiful, beautiful film? Because it's so weird, isn't it? It makes it seem like that's a giallo movie. <laughs> so, and, and it's also a really short trailer, which is what I always have to look for here. Yeah, Daughters of Darkness. We've shown this here. Mm -hmm. I love this movie. And I also felt like there it's such a, a, you know, aging is such a big theme in vampire movies that clearly I was going to have to bring one in. And Countess Bathory, I thought, was the most ripe for that. So that was why, that's why this one. Yeah, it's got such a great mood to it. Almost from the beginning. And it does get really, really weird. I think when we showed it, though, everybody liked it. Oh, I think so. Um, it's it, hard not to. It's a yeah, beautiful movie. It is. It just it just sucks you in. Of course, Delphine Sirig. Sirig. Oh, my God. She was already a big icon of cinema when this movie came out. And as the story goes, she wasn't that hip to take the part. But her boyfriend at the time was a famous French director, Alain René, okay. who convinced her to take it. And well, it I'm glad he did. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, and she's uh, glorious in this movie. She really I mean, she is. Just, she is. She's just absolutely magnificent. The whole movie is so fun and, and weird because it does go in these very bizarre directions, which, you know, can't count as Bathory. The story, you know, is very hammer. You feel like you know it. And they really do bring a lot of bizarre sort of B-story elements into it that make it just a wild and glittery, lovely, glamorous, debauched kind of a ride, which is, which is super fun. The other couple that I thought about that flirted with this particular spot, The Hunger... Oh, yeah. I mean, that one is Love obviously very, very... We should show that a- sometime. We should show that sometime. Um, aging-related and another just absolutely glorious cast and uh, and very, like, a great tone and mood mm-hmm. to that one. And then super fun, not quite as, like, high-caliber film, though, The Brotherhood of Satan. Have you guys seen that one? I love that movie so much, and it's scary to me because the the, ba- the main concept is no matter how hard these people try, they can't leave the town they're in. They drive and drive, and they just – I have that dream about my hometown of Tiffin <laughs> all the time. I always have this nightmare where no matter what I do, I cannot get out of that city. And so that's what Brotherhood of Satan reminds me of. It's like a cross between my nightmares about Tiffin and being John Malkovich. That's what that movie is. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. <laughs> I just thought of that, by the way. Uh, you talk about voices, too. We were mentioning voices. The mm. voices in here, uh, Delphine Sarek's voice is fantastic. <gasps> oh, it's so great. You got that, smoky, oh, that yeah. smoky raps to it. And it's interesting that they all use their own voices because it's in English, but the majority of the cast is French and German and Flemish. Yes. So there's, the accents are all over the place. But just for the for the uh, sake of having uh, Delphine use her own voice is worth it. It's oh, absolutely. One of the things that just adds to the sort of off-kilter mood about the whole movie. She just has this sort of world-weary sensuality about about everything about her. She just drips with glamour and just weariness. She's and also awesome. the fact that she knows something that you don't, or yeah. that her, her victim, right. her, her mark doesn't, which is, which is great. You can tell that from the beginning. Daughters of Darkness, number four, from 1971. That takes us up to number three. And this is one we just talked about last week uh, with the uh, librarian countdown, but that's all right. It qualifies here as well. From 1983... In a small American town, a diabolical circus and its demonic proprietor prey on the townsfolk. Something wicked this way comes. Your books can hurt me, old man. Yes, old. Because your heart is old. Listen to it. You tell me where the boys are hiding. And I can make you young again. I could turn your years back for you to, let's say, 30. And speak, but you've missed it. Going. It's gone. So, yeah, this movie qualified last week when we talked about librarians, and this week talking about aging. And it's interesting, both themes really come together in that one classic scene where Mr. Dark is offering youth back. Yeah. And just going through, you want 30? You want 31? Oh, it's gone. And yeah. just keep, and, and you can tell Jason Robart's face is, there's temptation yeah. there. And the two actors, uh, Jonathan Price, who oh, plays so Mr. Great. Dark, they're both so great. And it, those two themes collide in such a great scene, which I think is put together long takes. I mean, there aren't a whole lot of cuts in that sequence, which just adds to it. I think that's the best scene in the movie, mainly because... It's the it's the one scene where those two just veteran talents are going head to head. It's so you know, um, although it does also have Pam Greer in it, which is always yeah. a great idea yeah, for any Pam movie. Greer. Uh, and the, I mean, the, and it's it's not just Robards who's tempted by youth. I mean, that's really one of the big temptations for for everybody mm-hmm. in the town. That's kind of what he's selling. Yep. And then there's always just something so 
especially in movies, just creepy about like a circus coming to town. Like it just brings with it all this this just seedy supernatural sort of element with it. And and I think that this movie takes great advantage of that because it does the whole film feels like this gradual corruption of innocence. And as we talked about last week, that Disney ended up just retooling this to, to beat the band. They made a lot of changes that uh, Ray Bradbury and then director Jack Clayton did not intend. And they were, I think they just focus grouped themselves to death because they made so many different changes. And in the end, it's it still just flopped. And what's funny about that is that Ray Bradbury is Ray Bradbury. I know. <laughs> right? And Jack Clayton made the innocence. Like, what more pedigree do you need, Disney? I mean, <laughs> what the hell? Well, but it, still, you know, for me, it's still a very, it's a very, it's a, very, it's a bit Disney-fied. I, I admit it, it is. is. It's got that very nostalgic quality about it. And it's really hard to get, but we, I think it's coming out really soon uh, in like a Blu-ray pack of other yes, Disney I, stuff and may actually be making it to Disney Plus soon. It makes me so sad that it's not already on Disney Plus, but it looks like it is coming soon. Yeah, because uh, even though it didn't make a lot of money at the time, anybody you bring it up to, when we talked about it last week, everybody has an affection for this movie. And I think a lot of people are looking forward to it coming out and being available because yes. I saw a few posts on that as well that it's finally going to be going to be available and I hope it's on on Disney Plus and all the uh, all the outlets and you can get actual physical copies. Yeah. Would be sweet as well. So, it's a good one again. Number 3, Something Wicked This Way Comes, aging frightfully on our latest list going up to number 2. This is one I don't believe we've ever talked about this movie before on any list. Am I wrong? I don't know. I don't know. This is a pretty recent from 2014. An elderly woman battling Alzheimer's disease agrees to let a film crew document her condition. But what they discover is something far more sinister going on. It's the taking of Deborah Logan. If I encouraged this memory to come out, would she then have some peace? The notion of spiritual parasites does exist. Now I feel the right as rain. This is like two-thirds of an absolutely glorious movie. I have to admit that I don't really love the resolution of the movie. So it's one of those movies that that kind of straddles its themes of whether it's kind of metaphorical about aging and Alzheimer's or whether it's an outright, like, spook show. And for me, it goes a little bit too far one direction or the other. But you can't say enough about um, Jill Larson's performance. She plays Deborah Logan. Oh, and she was on All My Children for like 500 years. She's so she's so good, and you just you just root for this woman, and you and you, the thing is, you know, she has Alzheimer's. You know, she's not going to, it's not going to go well for her no matter what. But the, like what she goes through as a patient, you just want to weep. It's like, oh my God, can something good just please happen for this woman? And of course, you know, it's just it's just going to get worse. Like so much worse. <laughs> this is. This is writer-director Adam Robitel, who did Insidious, The Last Key. Escape Room. Not good. Escape Room 1 and 2. And also the upcoming Insidious, The Dark Realm. Yeah. He's behind that one as well. But you're right. This one has like two-thirds of a good movie. Yeah. Because even that in the trailer there, that, oh, that yeah. jump scare at the end, that's pretty effective. Mm. And the cast is good. And plus, just the subject of Alzheimer's is fertile ground. And we've seen some other movies that you wanted to mention 
um, really have uh, be- yeah, so, some mind of the effective others, stories with that the theme. Uh, that we really thought about having on this list. So The Visit, I like the movie The Visit very much. It's I not really too. about aging. It's just scary old people. So it didn't exactly fit. Although I very much like that movie. Relic is a great movie, Australian movie. We've talked about it before. Yeah. Relic. And that was very close to being on here. I think one of the reasons that Deborah Logan got on was that we haven't talked about it before and that it's so much like scarier. It's like, it's scary. And then also The Dark and the Wicked, which is really more about the kids than it is about... The aging yeah. parents, but that movie is scary as fuck. Have a look <laughs> at it if you haven't. Uh, so those, you know, I think that it's a great, it is, it seems that it's recently very, in the last 10 years, fertile ground for horror, this oh, yeah. idea of aging and, and sort of developing what, like seeing what you're going to develop based mm-hmm. on, on the parents that you're taking care of. I think it really is something that's very unnerving for a lot of people. And I think the Deborah Logan film, it did it first. It didn't necessarily do it the best. But it's a very unnerving movie. And also the fact about how that can be passed down yeah. uh, through through generations and how we saw it so well in Relic yeah. is that the fear of this is going to happen to me as yep. well, yep. which can be uh, turned into some very horrific elements. So The Taking of Deborah Logan, number two on our list of aging and horror, and that takes us up to number one. Yeah, we've <gasps> got to get on it because we're going to show this movie right. here in just a few minutes. And we're excited. This is from 2002. Elvis and a black JFK stay in a nursing home where nothing happens until a wayward Egyptian mummy comes and sucks out the old people's souls through their a-holes. The two decide to fight back, Bubba Hotep. What we have yet, Shady Rest, is an Egyptian soul sucker of some sort. Some kind of Bubba Hotep. You know, a mummy hiding out, feeding on the sleeping. He can just keep on feeding, unless he's finally destroyed. All right, so how many people have already seen this? A couple. A couple. All right. That's good. Hey, 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 welcome. Well, this is, we're not going to talk a lot about it. We never do talk about uh, the movies that we're going to show beforehand, but we do hope after it's over, you come down and give us your thoughts, especially the ones who haven't seen it yet. Give us your thoughts about, uh, about the movie, and we'd love to get you on the podcast. The only thing I think to know before you see it is that, of course, Bruce Campbell plays Elvis, and uh, before he accepted the role, he had one question for director Don Coscarelli, and that was, are you going to show the penis? And I'll leave it at that. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 92 minutes later. You know what's crazy is Elvis and JFK taking on a soul-sucking mummy. That was the plot of our movie. And we had to pivot. <laughs> no, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, the writer-director is Don Coscarelli. The director is, the writer is Joe Lansdale, who's uh, an even better horror writer. Well, on the credit right there, it said, screenplay by Don Coscarelli. Lansdale wrote the short story, as, as is his way. He writes the fiction. But, I mean, it's really, uh, it's two really great horror minds. So, Coscarelli, phantasm, right? And, and I may have to turn in my card later. But for me, this is the best movie he's ever made. Uh, Bubba Hotep. <laughs> oh, you've got some agreement <laughs> right. there. Now, I don't, does. I'm not dissing uh, because, you know, I'm a big Phantasm fan. We've got, the, uh, we've got it on our Christmas tree, the, like the, the bulb. With the, we have that as a Christmas tree ornament. You should all get one. Merry Christmas. That's right. But this is just a, just a magnificent movie. I love everything about this movie. 
And I want to point out, I didn't, I didn't tell him, George's mom used to work for an Elvis impersonator. She did. She did. Uh, That's my, totally true. My mom is a major Elvis fan. In fact, she texted me today about an Elvis movie from 1972. <laughs> That she was looking for. Uh, so that's my, my next assignment. But, of course, even though he's playing Elvis, you don't hear any Elvis music or those bits of the Elvis movies. Those aren't Elvis movies for obvious reasons. For that obvious reasons. That would have blown the budget all to hell. <laughs> <laughs> but they get the spirit, those clips in the movies that he's watching on the 24-hour Elvis marathon. They do. There are a little bit of beach blanket bingo there, <laughs> and a little bit of fighting, and yeah. Uh, they they do their best to summon the spirit of Elvis, but you mentioned the short story, and it, the only significant character not to make the leap is a, there was a character in the short story of an old lady who believes herself to be a sex changed John Dillinger. Oh, I was hoping he was going to say Anne Margaret, but that would make no sense because yeah. it would there's really an Anne Margaret. <laughs> that would have that would have uh, added a wrinkle, but it is a lot of fun. And uh, if you look still on IMDb today. There's still a listing for the prequel, Bubba Nosferatu, yeah. Curse of the She-Vampires. That has apparently been in the works for years. It has been. Where is it? I don't know, but I need to see it. <laughs> I need to see it right now. Anybody have any uh, any comments? Come on down. We'd love to get your, your thoughts on the movie because it is a lot of fun. And I know there's a few of you who have seen it, have not seen it. Brandon. You know, this is a movie that really feels like a subgenre all to itself. I don't think there's anything like Bubba Hotel. Uh, and since before or since, and I think Hope really hit it on the on the head when she talked about Lansdale. I think Coscarelli really channeled Lansdale's voice very very well. If anyone's ever read any of his books or seen the series Happen Leonard or seen the other movie that was done from his work Cold in July, you know Lansdale has a very very specific voice, dark comedy with a lot of heart, and I think this movie really gets at that. And I think the more I see it and and maybe it's the older I get and the things on me that hurt, just like Elvis. Um, maybe not exactly the things on Elvis, but, uh, you know, you really get the heart of the movie. And I think in, in part of Brian Tyler's score, too, just really hits home. It's sort of like rockabilly, uh, country western, but it's very melodic at the same time. No, I agree with you. The score is amazing. And one of the things that I love about... The movie is that it feels like it's it's people who love Elvis and in the way that Tarantino sort of rewrites history so that the people that he likes can do better. That's what I felt like this movie did. You know, it was like we want to just address clearly people who love Elvis wanted to address his faults that we all know about and just like give him a, a you know, a third act. I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought Bruce Campbell did a really great Elvis impression and uh, Ozzy Davis had really great comedic timing. And the two of them working off of each other, it's just co comedy gold. And um, I really want to read the short story now that I've seen the movie. I agree. I thought Austin Davis was just amazing in this movie. And there's a there's a moment, and we're not going to give anything away, where he's sort of lying prostrate. And I thought to myself, no, 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 no. He's just, you know, like, it's impossible not to love him in this movie. He's so, so, so good. It's been probably a decade since I saw it, and I'd forgotten most everything except the basic plot. But what I loved about this, Ossie Davis, and to a lesser extent, Bruce, had obviously such a great time playing such ridiculous characters that you end up caring about. And did he ever get that growth on his penis taken care of? There's the penis. There's the penis. <laughs> he wanted to know if he'd show it, and the answer is no. 
<laughs> Leave that to your imagination. That's and, right. and also during that big Elvis concert scene, originally when they were filming it, they, they had rounded up about 100 extras. But uh, by the end of the filming, only about a dozen or so were left. So that's why they were they had to zoom in pretty quickly because <laughs> the rest of them just wandered off. <laughs> it's just a lot of fun. It's such an outlandish premise, not only for a short story, but to bring it to the uh, bring it to the screen. It's one of those you just you just go with it right from the beginning. All right, Elvis, Black JFK, sure, let's do this. Yeah, I think I mean there are so many things that are thematically just uh, amazing about this movie. It's really one of the first movies. That I can remember that that treats um, sort of the way the aged are are considered a disposable population. Like you've not seen that very often. Certainly not, you know, almost twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. And then also, I love the way that Bruce Campbell's character is Elvis, believes he's Elvis, and that eventually the JFK, who's clearly not JFK, comes to accept that he's really Elvis. And then at the very, you know, by the end of the film. Elvis has come to accept JFK. You like I, I love that the, yeah. the moment where he just salutes him as the president. I yeah. just think is is just beautiful and heartwarming. Yeah, it's just a, a lot of fun uh, to see on the big screen with a crowd like you guys. So thank you. I want to be at the sales pitch meeting for this movie. <laughs> Who came up with the sales pitch? How did they get? Say, oh, we're going to make a movie about black JFK and Elvis and rest home against a mummy. How do you sell that? That's gold, Jerry. It's gold. Gold. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, we have other big news. We, we broke the news about Obstacle Corps, um, so we're looking forward to uh, getting your feedback on that. And since it is September, for a lot of people, heck, it's, it's already spooky season, it is, is it not? spooky season. So we're looking ahead right. to October. So much going on. We've got Nightmares Film Festival coming up right here at the Gateway Film Center, back live yep. after a, a great virtual event last year, but we hope you can make it back out. Uh, for the live event, Night- Nightmares Film Festival. October and 21st we, to the 24th. 21st to the 24th, and we are so excited to be doing an event as well. They're going to they're gonna let us do a Fright Club Live during the film festival. We're going to do a Fright Club Live. We're going to do uh, a regular podcast with a list, and at the end of the list, instead of showing a feature, because if you're coming, you should see any of the features they're showing at Nightmares Film Festival, they're going to let us show the Obstacle Corpse short film, so the proof of concept short that, that got us where we are in terms of the feature that we're hoping to make. And uh, so we're going to talk about buddies, friends, chums in horror movies and show our short movie and we hope that you'll come out for that as well. Yeah, so that's coming up next month. Nightmares Film Festival, such a great event and we're glad to be a part of it in in any way we can every year, but extra excited to be doing a Fright Club Live, so we hope to see you then. All right, we've got a movie to show. Um, You can always find us and chime in and keep the horror conversation going. You can find us uh, on our main website, which is madwolf.com. Also on Twitter, we're at Fright Club Pod. And uh, on Instagram and Facebook, it's Mad Wolf Columbus. And now I believe Obstacle Corpse has its own socials, doesn't it? It does. Obstacle Corpse movie on Facebook and Instagram and Obstacle Corpse X on Twitter. She is Hope Mad. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club podcast. Stay frightful. Yeah.